the Hero's Path Podcast, brought to you by books. Just read a book for once in your life. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, let's see. How's everybody doing today? I'm fine. How about you, listener? Well, that's great to hear, or terrible to hear. We're doing the podcast about Breath of the Wild. Uh, I went up the mountain. The cool mountain. The cool, cool mountain. Yeah, cool, cool mountain. I went to cool, cool mountain. I raced a penguin. Yeah, yeah. Could we do a Mario 64 podcast? Probably not. Uh, We're less um, qualified than probably most of the population. I mean, I've played that game a couple times. I feel like babies born today in Ghana are better qualified to do a Super Mario 64 podcast than I am. Okay, well, let's do a Breath of the Wild podcast instead. Okay. Okay, so Mount Hebra. Hebra. Not the other mountains in the game. We went up to Hebra Mountain. The cold Uh, one. The cold one. Um, So, like, a lot of things in this game, they pulled a name from other Zelda stuff. Mount yes. Hebra was what the mountain in Link to the Past is called. Uh, and this is kind of confusing because they called it Mount Hebra and then ignored that for the rest of forever. Yes. It's um, like, it was only Death Mountain in the Dark World. Right. Then for the rest of time, Death Mountain is in the normal world. Yes. And like even Link Between Worlds just says, no, 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 no it's Death Mountain. Hmm. Same mountain, but we're calling it Death Mountain now. Now, I've been looking at uh, the Japanese names in Link to the Past because there are interesting correspondences. And uh, a lot of the names in Link to the Past seem to be influenced by, like, Hindu religious stuff and mysticism. Oh, right. I forgot you have, like, all this figured out. I have a blog post now. Um... The name Hebra doesn't seem to fit into that. Hebra is not a Sanskrit-sounding word at all. But the katakana uh, Hebura is evocatively similar to how uh, the word Hebrew is rendered in Japanese. Hebura-i. And so uh, I feel like (laughs) for any person playing Link to the Past in... Uh, Japanese uh, Mount Hebra would look kind of like Mount Hebrew uh, a little bit. At sure. Least. Do any of the like weird Sanskrit stuff go further back? Have you ever looked at? I mean, Elozebra doesn't have any place names, I guess. But it yeah, it doesn't really have Zelda any... two has like some, but they're all just like Parappa. Well, uh, Kakariko. That's not um, till Zelda three. They don't call it Kakariko in no, Zelda 2? No, in Zelda 2 you have all the towns that are retroactively named after the sages. Okay. You have Mido Town and Rudo Town and Darunia. Well, that's interesting because Darunia could be a Sanskrit word. Uh, Darunia, yeah, that looks really Sanskrit, actually. Uh, Naburu, not so much. Uh, Mido is a edge case i would have to look into this but could be uh but probably not that was that seems like well, an affectation to 
that the, the, the writers of Link to the Past got really into. It does, it does, but it's worth checking, uh, especially since Darunya really sounds like a Sanskrit word. Just to let the listener know who hasn't read my very good blog post, the sages Sahasrala and Agina are pretty unambiguously named after chakras. The Book of Mudora, I'm pretty sure, is named after, like, mudras. Aganim is probably named after Agni, the fire god. Probably. Okay, so, Hebra. They went with, so they went with Hebra. They, they pulled this name out of the ether, named it, like, last seen on, like, the map that came in the game box with Link to the Past back in 1991. That's, like, the last time anybody ever saw the name Hebra anywhere. Uh, they used that, and it surprises me because they could have just named it Snow Peak, because in Twilight Princess they have a whole snowy region that's roughly in the northwest. Uh, that is just they they could have just used that name again, but they decided not to for reasons that I don't know. I guess because they wanted to give the major regions like cool sounding names. Oh yeah, Snow Peak is an English name. It doesn't sound as cool as. It's not Akala or Elden or Nekluda. Mm-hmm. So they wanted something more evocative, I guess. Anyway, I went up this mountain. So I tried to follow the trail that Selmy had left a bunch of notes about. Yes. Uh, I call foul. I don't think that trail goes all the way up or it's not complete or I was missing parts of it. Ryan, have you been able to follow the trail up as like the intended way? ever i don't think so but i don't think it actually works i feel like it should i feel like it should too but like i hit points where i had to double back or look around and try and find another marker and then like i went off the markers and then found new markers eventually and it's weird that it wouldn't work right i mean i it could be that i I missed it right which then makes it a very realistic mountain climbing experience (laughs) um it would not be very video game to, or it would not be very Nintendo to say follow these flags and the flags don't actually go anywhere. Uh, yeah, I don't that's know. more indie game, cool kid nonsense, playing around with your expectations. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I didn't. I I so I went up and I got lost in the mountains. Uh, someone brought me a pineapple. We're good. <laughs> oh come on, that was the gimme. All right. I went to Toronto Peak, uh, which is where that tree that the little Rito girl told me about is. Mm. And then she, I had to like pull up my quest log to read the hint for it because I couldn't remember exactly what the deal with that was. And the hint is fly at a, or there's a great big bird in the mountains. Yeah, you could see a great bird, and like in that bird's mouth, or something is a prize or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, like, it's a formation of snow that looks like a bird, right? Yeah, and it's not, like, it's not, what's sort of looking for? It's not so manufactured that it's, like, very obviously a bird. Well, and it's, it's like, only from this perspective, right? It's from on the ground. But even from this angle, like, it's not the most clear like obvious bird oh, it's okay. kind of a yeah. you got to squint a little bit at it yeah in a way that's very realistic yes 
to like the a fact real that life. it uses your on the ground perspective instead of being like it looks like a bird on the map, which would not be totally. As and the fact that it's realistic enough that it's not like it, it's not super manufactured. Yeah, it, it is not a good. it is not a picturesque outline of a bird. It is a rough bird shaped snow plateau. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I appreciated that. Uh, if you fly towards it, there's a tiny gap in a cliff wall with a shrine inside. Ooh. Uh, which you could just stumble upon, like I did the first time I played. I just, I think I came, <laughs> I came the other direction and just found that with the radar, and was like, "Oh, here's a shrine." Yeah, like this... the radar kind of spoils the puzzle, huh? I haven't used the radar like hardly at all this playthrough. So, yeah. but most, but I'm also looking at maps a lot. You know, hmm. I'm looking at a map right now, but I feel like I deserve it. Uh, um, the shrine inside. It's a major test of strength. This is Mozo Sheno Shrine. Is it an interesting major test of strength at all? I've stopped registering for the most part what they are. It's all either the one where you have to Magnesis Pillars up or the one where you have to Cryonis Pillars into existence. Oh, That's pretty much it. Like, they're all variations. I did a lot of major tests of strength this time. Uh, oh, I had a side quest that I forgot to mention on the previous episode where one of the villagers, like one of the guards, uh, told me to look out for an ice talus at Cold Snap Hollow. Cold Snap Hollow is a good name. Uh, it's I, I called it kind of a cave, but it's really not. There's just like a overhanging shelf. Well, it's like a it's a hollow. Yeah. And there's a ice talus there. Yeah. Ice taluses are just like fire taluses, only cold. And th- I feel like this one is bigger than most taluses. In my I memory, it's very think big. think so. Hey. No, it seemed pretty similar. Okay. Then I don't, it, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it's, it's covered in ice, but you can hit it with a fire arrow, which negates the ice momentarily. And then you fight it like every other talus. Okay. Talos is a really effective enemy the first couple times, but once you yeah. kind of get used to fighting it, it's not too bad. Um, Yeah, it would be nice if there were more kinds of enemies in this game. I think it would be cooler if they just did different rock like shapes. Oh, if it wasn't the same geometry every time? Yeah, what if it, there was like a bunch of different variations and like you're never sure... Because I'm, a I'm bad at pick- with a bunch of different monsters that you have to climb up all of them and figure out how to beat them. That would sell some copies. Um, Shadow of the Talisus. Sure, yeah, nobody's ever thought of this before. Uh, Shadow of the Taluses, because yeah. there's more than one. Hey, this is good. I think you're onto something. I have an idea, Zach. Okay. Shh, shh. I'm gonna do a meme. And get oh, a bunch no. of thumbs up or hearts or something. Okay, good. I'm going to go viral. Okay, congratulations on your viral post. Please remember me when you're, you know, big time. I'll throw some hearts your way. <laughs> yeah, you should follow Zach. He's on the podcast I used to do. Oh, no. I You can't abandon the podcast because you do most of the 
editing work on the podcast. <laughs> in the It's a Wonderful Life version of the future where you have to edit everything yourself and you're tearing out your hair because editing a podcast is so hard. And I'm and, looking and through got, your window. And I've got all these kids to feed. Why do you show me this, spirit? What do you think I care? <laughs> Uh, okay, I went up to, so I climbed the rest of the mountain, sort of, uh, in a roundabout way. I ended up over by Selmi's spot, which we'll talk about in a minute, but there's a shrine on the way there called Shadana Shrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember this puzzle at all. This one's called Red Giveaway. Oh, I remember this one. Yes, it's, yes. It's a weird... Like, I wanted to call it a Rube Goldberg, but that's not really what it is. There's just it's an orb. It's about as close to Rube Goldberg as this game gets. I, I think it's a fair comparison. I bet with the tools in place, you can make a mean Rube Goldberg. Oh, yes, absolutely. You could I, call I, it a Rube Goldberg. Yeah. Um, But it's like there's an orb that you have to get to around a bunch of obstacles. You basically have to blow an orb a long way yeah um or you have to like i feel like everybody solves this by cheating somehow Um, well i thought i i thought i was gonna cheat it and then i realized that when you when the orb gets in the hole the platform goes up but it doesn't come back yeah yeah so they want you to be like far do it from far away not do it close yes this is a really good description of what this is it's impossible to describe. You remember this one because it's the one with the orb and the fans and they go around in a circle and you have to be standing on the elevator platform when the orb falls into the target because you need to be on it right when it because it goes up and then it doesn't come down. The shrine um, is called Red Giveaway and I don't know what that means. Well, it's because there's an intended solution, first of all. And there is a part of the wall that looks like the part of any other shrine wall, except it's magnetic. And if you happen to activate magnesis in this shrine, then one part of the wall glows red. And that's a giveaway that you can move it. And you can move it in just the right place that you can then put another block on top of it. And it stops the ball right where you need it to stop in order for the puzzle to work properly. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't it realize it was... Makes it a lot was... easier if you happen to find that dumb secret. So I found that dumb secret, but I didn't put together that that was what the name was referencing. So, okay. Oh, interesting. Now, now that makes more sense. I never found that, but then I was watching a video of it so that I could remember what puzzle or what shrine it was. And when I saw that stupid magnesis part of the wall... Um, it clicked for me why it was called Red Giveaway, and I felt very clever, even though I, guess I, I was not clever in all the ways that the game wanted me to be. I suppose I forgot that, like, Magnesis Vision is red. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I would say that if we're interpreting the name of the shrine as a hint, it's not a good hint. I bet the designer really liked it, though. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Selmy lives up here. Mm-hmm. Selmy is this, like, retired pro shield surfer, which implies 
like there was a shield surfing you it implies it was a, a sport you could be a professional in mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of a cool concept uh she lives up here she says she's retired uh i wanted to point out that her house does that slow rendition of the ocarina of time house theme oh yeah it's so wild to me that this is the only house that does that or is it i think there's one other one but i don't remember i'd have to watch the youtube video again okay somebody else's house does it i forget who marker marker ryan insert here what other house if any does that music marker marker Hi, this is Ryan, the editor of the podcast. Um, The music that you're hearing right now is the music that we're talking about in the normal part of the podcast. uh, On the soundtrack, it's just called House, but uh, I don't think it plays in normal houses. I think it plays at Selmy's spot, like we're discussing right now. And it also apparently plays at Pondo's Lodge, another location in the Tamantha Frontier, uh, where... Uh, Zach will probably go in the next episode, and so this note will seem kind of useless in the grand scheme of things. Anyway, it seems to be like the mountain cabin music, more so than just the house music. It has the wistful slowness of being in a mountain cabin. Um, And if you speed this part of the podcast up, then you will hear that it resembles the Ocarina of Time house theme. And also, I might sound like a chipmunk, or maybe your podcast app is preserving the pitch while just changing the speed. I don't know. Anyway, um, back to you, Ryan. Continue podcast. So she has a ton of shields on her wall, which is really cool because I got to take a picture of a bunch of his shields that I hadn't seen yet. I'm still working on that uh, compendium. Oh, yeah. Zach's going to 100% the compendium. It's not as hard as you'd think, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I, the problem is I can't figure out like what my percentage is. I don't know how to... Or if it even gives you a percentage. The game doesn't surface things in the same screen sometimes. Like, when you want to check how many Koroks you have, I have to look at my save screen. and it's like Stuff like that. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's not... There's not a good title screen that has everything presented there. Okay, well, maybe we covered this a hundred episodes ago, but I believe strongly that Breath of the Wild does not want you to get 100%. I believe it, yeah. And this this is totally outside of my personal belief that your quest to get 100% is a fool's errand. I think sure. that a lot of the, of the game, uh, and I I have struggled with, I have struggled with this as a game designer. I want players to have their own experience with the game. Right? If I have a story with like branches, I want you to make the choices that you you make the choices. Uh, by picking one thing and not the others and going through uh, the storyline associated with, with your personal choices. Um, I want you to have an experience of the world that 
involves seeing the things that you choose to see and necessarily involves not seeing the things that you chose not to see. And players, a lot of players, believe that their goal is to see and do everything. If there are multiple endings, then they want to see all the endings. If there is a map, if there's places, then they want to see all the places. Uh, they don't feel like they are playing the game properly if there's any part of the game that they haven't played. And I think Breath of the Wild is... It wants to be a huge world. Obviously, it wants to be a huge world. And the designers know that as soon as you have seen all everything in that world, as soon as you've done everything in that world, it becomes so, so, so much smaller. And so... They have a lot of boring places just so that you will have there. There can be stuff on the edges that you don't worry about. So you don't see the borders and they have 900 Koroks because only an insane person would try to find all those Koroks. That's right. And so you can feel like you're you're, you know, you're rewarded for discovering things. You're still getting these seeds wherever you find something. But they want to, the word isn't really punish, but they want to punish players for uh, trying to lawnmower this game. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I see that. I see that trying to actively discourage that kind of thinking is something that Nintendo would try and do in the situation. Hmm. And so I, I remember how I got on this subject. I think another part of that is... Uh, failing or choosing not to uh, show you how much stuff you've done. Yep. They don't want, yeah. they, this is not, they don't want it to be that game. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's a big topic talking about like people wanting to 100% everything and like the reasons that kind of, that has become part of, I was going to call it gaming culture, but that's, that's a bad way well, to put that. Why? I'd call it gaming culture sure but also like it stands in the face of like the practical reality of people just don't finish games like that like um, some people will finish so, you know some amount of people will finish a game like that but like the vast majority and like data has shown that mm -hmm. like people don't finish games people are really finished just as much as they want you know uh yeah and so i don't know I, but, I don't have a good anything really good to say. It's just interesting how Nintendo is correcting to that viewpoint in probably a prescient way. Uh, well, I feel like something in the culture or the mindset, if you don't like the word culture, um, has this idea that like uh, not finishing a game is like the person who doesn't finish a game is failing somehow has or like is is failing or is not finishing with the expectation that they were supposed to finish uh, some of it's just like sunk cost fallacy where it's like oh i spent the money on this i need to get all of my money out of it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which is not always the most healthy way to look at stuff and i'm guilty of that a lot of times but you know, I've definitely taken an approach in recent years where it's like, okay, I will try everything that I have gotten my hands on, but I don't 
necessarily have to finish everything. As long as I feel like I've put in and gotten what I'm going to get out of a game, then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, to people who play my games, I beg you, don't try to find everything. Be content with the experience that you have. Don't treat it like a crossword where you have to fill in every spot. Treat it as a hike where you get to see part of it and not everything and enjoy the stuff that you do see. And treat Breath of the Wild like a hike, Zach. Well, I tried that and then I couldn't find all the markers. So then I like sauntered up the side of a hill instead. Yeah. And went and saw my friends sell me. That's my segue back into the podcast. What podcast? She will issue you like a shield surfing challenge. She's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the ropes. I've got a pretty good slope here that you can shield surf down. If you complete the beginner course, she'll give you an advanced course. If you break her record on the advanced course, she'll give you a prize. Um, Ooh. I had forgotten how to shield surf entirely. <laughs> By the time here. It is not a mechanic I engage with very often. Me neither. It's I... not intuitive controls wise. And it's uh, it feels like a waste of shield. <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean, I got... shield is the one like inventory thing that I don't burn through nearly as much as the rest. So maybe I should be shield surfing more. Maybe. Because uh, I'm always full up on shields. I guess it's in the same way that I'm uh, like riding my motorcycle past a bunch of moblins. And I think I don't want to fight those guys. I don't want to degrade my cool swords. When I'm near a slope, I'm like, I don't want to shield surf. I don't want to ruin my cool shields. And what are you going to do with shield surfing? Go downhill? Yeah, that's the thing is I'm like, I don't really know. If you didn't have a paraglider, in the game where you didn't yeah. have a paraglider, shield surfing would be rad. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe the fact that it's like, why would I do the traverse this way when I could also traverse this much better way? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's it. Um, there might be a, a no paraglider challenge version of this game that's very cool. I'm now thinking about what that does to the game. You, you could, get to shield surf. You wouldn't be able to do any of the Divine Beasts. Um, That's okay. Okay. Because in the cutscene going into the uh, Calamity Ganon fight, you have to... You, you, Link is uh, paragliding into that, and so you oh. would break the conduct anyway. So you just can't finish the game. Yeah. Okay. But in, in no paraglider, you set different goals. Okay. Uh, I did sell me's beginner course, and it took me a couple tries to, like, do well enough for her to give me the advanced course. Okay. But then I did the advanced course, and on my first try, I broke her record. So I don't know what the deal is. Hmm. I didn't suddenly get any better, just the requirements seem a little unbalanced. Ah. Uh, it's like the, uh, the hole with the targets all over again. The flight range. Yeah. Anyway, so I, 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 I broke her record, and then she handed me the exact shield I was already wearing. Cool. Uh, which, yeah, okay, sure, thanks. Um, okay, then I went up to, like, the very, very top of Hebra, and now this is the part I'm very excited to talk about. Okay. 
Hebrews, he, somebody put a big hole in Hebrew. Yeah, it's got like a taken out of it. It's got a big chunk as if a giant laser shot through it. Yeah. And like, it's all rounded out in that way. It's extremely cool. Yeah. Uh, it, the creating a champion book spells it out. And I don't, I don't know if this, if it textually says this in the game itself, but this like scar in the mountain happened 10,000 years ago in the battle with Calamity Ganon. That's so cool. And so that's just a feature uh, that's been there ever since. Uh, I'm trying to send Ryan. Okay, Ryan, I sent you an image. I'm looking at an image now. Um, this is from Spirited Away. No. Oh, what is this from? This is from uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, the 08th MS Team. Episode... I forget which episode number, but it's Shuddering Mountain Part 2. Uh, where... They blast a giant laser through a mountain, and it has a very similar effect to what's going on on Hebrew here. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I can't imagine this is the only other time that this has happened, but like, surely other works of fiction have done a mountain blasted by a big laser. But uh, it's one of the main tropes. It's is it, maybe it's not that common, but I feel like this is my touch point where I was like, oh, that's a Gundam reference. Or like a, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they never even saw it. Who can say? But I wanted to, to, to shout that out. Okay. It, it looks rad. It's, I really like the way the Hebrew one looks because it's been 10,000 years. So it's all snowed over. And if you're mm-hmm. looking at it from like certain angles, you wouldn't even be able to tell. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looks like, um, it's actually really effective now that I think about it. It looks like an artificial problem that the mountain had, but it also does look so ancient that it's like part of the landscape. Yeah. And so you can believe that it is, it's a scar from 10,000 years ago. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And it makes it more interesting than it just being like, it gives it in a game with a lot of mountains. It gives it a unique profile, right? Yes, absolutely. And you need that unique profile because otherwise it's like, well, how is this different than staring at Death Mountain? How is this different staring at Dueling Peaks? Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. There's another major test of strength hidden uh, in this, like, scar part of the mountain Yeah, uh, behind some ice. The laser was necessary to expose this shrine. That's that's why they did this to begin with. Yeah. Um and you have to melt a bunch of ice to get in there. Yeah, it's Goma Asag shrine. Uh, it's not so bad while you're playing, but right now thinking about melting ice, I'm like that's so boring. It's a I little hate melting ice. I think it's good, but also it ends up being a little tedious sometimes because you yeah. like set a fire and then it'll melt and then it'll be too far away from the fire source. Yeah. So you have to move the fire a little bit again. Uh, there's got to be a better option that I just haven't figured out yet, but I got plenty of ice to work on, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Then I went to the top of the mountain, and it was cool. Uh, is this the tallest mountain in the game? Um, I don't remember. I, I was really intent on like measuring this somehow. I remember like going to the top of Hyrule Castle, and 
like trying to triangulate something but not really having the mathematical chops i'm not a surveyor so i don't know how to do that you don't have a sextant yeah i didn't i think i made this joke already I'm now imagining some game, maybe a Zelda game, maybe a different game, where a sextant is one of the items that you pick up that you need to use. Let's play that game. It's the the new Oracle games, but there's six of them. And each item in each game is a number reference. And so game number six is like the sextant of seasons. Shut your mouth. (laughs) That's so bad. Uh, they should do more oracles. Why not? To go for it. What's well, Capcom? Capcom's not busy. They could make us more <laughs> oracle games. And then, um, it says in your notes that there's a trio of hot springs around the Hebrew region. Yeah, there's these secret springs for presumably three different people: Goflum, Sherfin, and Sternita. And these are not people that appear in the game. As far as I can tell. No, because then Zelda Wiki would say, this is the na- name of what's-his-face, Sherfin. Um, those names are evocative, right? Well, they're... I, I know the secret here, sort of. That you they're do? birds. They're birds, right? What kind of birds? I'm not seeing it. I forget. Uh, I thought it was on the Zelda Wiki that said that they're like corruptions of, like, genuses of birds. Uh, Sternida definitely looks like that. I don't know what kind of bird Sherfin is. This is the part of the podcast where we go to a wiki. Yep. Uh, Sherfin derives its name from Kingfisher. Oh, wow. I can believe that. Goflam derives its name from Flamingo. Oh, yeah. Flamgo. Okay. So bird names, I guess, which means maybe they're Rito people. That'd be fun. I love that a lot. But also, they're not Rito people that are present in the game, which is confusing. Yeah, but that's fine, because there there needs to be history. There needs to be some Rito who are dead. Yeah, but there should be, like, a book somewhere where it was like, oh man, the three friends used to go up in the mountains and hang out in their hot springs. Um, There needs to be a certain number of those books in this game. But I think if you have an explanation like that for every little detail, then it becomes gross. Yeah, I, I we've talked before, it becomes, you know, a Morrowind situation. But also, yeah. sometimes I want that. And right now I want that. Well, I'm here to pull in the opposite direction and say... That's good. Somebody has I, to. Yeah. Because uh, Lord knows I would just take advantage of it. If I, My ROM hack of Breath of the Wild doesn't change anything about the structure of the game. It just adds books everywhere. Mmm. And it takes the uh, paraglider out of that cutscene. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't. I. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to dive in on Breath of the Wild hacking yet. Uh, it seems just unhinged. It's wild. It's it's a lot. Okay. What else is there going on here on the side of the mountain? Uh, there's Hia Mio Shrine. It's another major test of strength. And that's way in the northwest corner of the map, right? It's at the very top left of the game, yeah. Uh, feels like there should be something cooler than a major test of strength there. Absolutely not. Oh, it's just well. a major test of strength. This this part of the game, it simultaneously feels like 
the designers were just kind of putting in like whatever shrines just like i don't know put that's it's pretty far in there just put a bunch of major tests of strength who cares but also i can see it from like an in-universe thing that if all of these shrines are challenges created by these various ancient sheikah that the ones that were up on this mountain devised especially devious challenges but the especially devious challenges are all tests of strength no there's some a couple other ones that are oh, okay. uh, uh which one in like the one i was going to talk about next uh makara shrine i defined it so there's a spot at a much lower lat- uh, altitude up mm-hmm. in the mountains mm-hmm. where there's kind of like a, a a lake yes and there's a crevice like, if, if you're approaching the lake from the south, like you're coming from Rito Village, uh, you can see within a crevice the telltale lights of a shrine, right? Yeah, yeah. And you end up having to explore around the lake and look around real hard to find, like, a hole in the cliffside wall. Yeah, it's good stuff. And then you go in and you go down... And then there's a really cool, it's like the dumbest, simplest thing, but they did a thing where you have to go into some water to swim underneath a ledge that would have been too low to, like, walk underneath. Mm. Like a real life, like, I gotta dive down into this to get up into the area where the shrine is. Kind of. It's it's like a real life cave. It's good. <laughs> I like it. Oh, and then I thought, I thought cold water hurts you in the game. Yes, and this does not hurt you, but, like, the lake outside will definitely hurt you, right? No, the lake outside wasn't hurting me, but maybe it's because I had on a bunch of cold weather gear? Um, I was gonna say that this, because it's in a cave, um, I was gonna make the excuse that it's protected from the elements, but if the lake outside didn't hurt you, then I don't know what's going on, because... Yeah, I wasn't, I was trying to figure that out. My understanding is that frigid water will hurt you no matter how much cold weather gear you're wearing Mm. this bears further investigation uh but fortunately there's more cold water to look at so i will look into this more next episode okay uh okay maka Ra shrine is what kind of gave me this idea that the monks up here were trying to do like specifically good challenges uh maka Ra definitely wanted to do a really good challenge uh makara is called steady thy heart uh and it's like a dungeon again this is one of the ones that really ends up being like a full-on dungeon yeah you've got like discrete areas and puzzles to solve and like very what's the word i'm looking for stereotypical kind of dungeon things um there's a rotating platform it's big into being like a cinematic experience. Even the way the rooms are constructed is trying to like uh, present each room like a tableau. It reminds yeah. me kind of of um, the first dungeon in uh, Goman 64 uh, with all those walls that open up. Yeah, a bunch of different puzzle, puzzle elements and traversal stuff and like rooms mm-hmm. with enemies. Uh, a very and good jump bit- scares. Yeah, there's a very, very good jump scare where there's a bunch of, like, uh, crates in the way and a <laughs> giant spike metal ball just come at you from behind them. It's very good. <laughs> we love to see it. 
Um, and then another giant metal ball rolling down a hill toward you. Mm-hmm. Now, did you find... I watched the video for this, and in the video they find a uh, chest that I never would have found um, where you have to take... Or you have to, like, turn around at the top of the first slope and there's a chest behind some bombable blocks. Did you find that? I, I went back looking for it because I knew there was a chest I missed, so I went back and found it. I'm trying to get all those chests. There's still one I left. <sighs> in in what shrine? Oh, you know what shrine. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I'll be back for it someday. Uh. Okay, and then the last thing I did playing around on the mountain this time Mm -hmm. uh i went to uh a puzzle element that previously eluded me uh yes yes there is a weird little hollow kind of thing a zone where there is a stone door selmy knows about it and tells you to avoid it ah she's like yeah don't turn that way because there's just a stone door there We're, we're trying to race here uh, <laughs> Selmy is wiser than she knows, uh, because this stone door doesn't open for anything. So I never figured this out the first time I played. I saw the stone door the first time I played, tried to get in, tried all the, you know, you, 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 you see a big door, you get out your tablet, like, can I magnesis this note? Can I stasis this note? Can I bomb this note? And you, like, run through your list and then you run out of options. You're like, what yeah. do I do? And... I, I feel like I must have found the solution online and then tried to solve it uh, because I don't think I would have arrived at this myself. But the the answer is you need to uh, make a snowball roll down at it. Yeah, this is not a mechanic that really comes into play anywhere else and feels the way it manifests in game feels very artificial. Yes. This is not a physics puzzle. No. Like, the interaction of the, the, the snowball hitting the door to open it is not using the game's physics. It's just a cutscene. Right. But you it's it's easy to fail this, right? You have yeah. to hit it just right. You have and... to, like, freeze a pond to make it go the oh, right path right. to yeah. get all the way there. And it's so, unintuitive. Like... It's unintuitive and it's fiddly such that like even if you the problem is if you happen upon if you think, oh, I could maybe get that snowball to hit that door um, the from that aha moment, you're then like, how do I get this freaking snowball to get to this door? Uh-huh. And that step is so fiddly that you you would not be blamed for thinking. I guess this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing because it's so friggin' hard to do. Yes, and that's how my first time I played this went. I never got into those doors the first time I played yeah. this game. I think I talked to somebody afterwards about it, and then they told me, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, that's not intuitive. No. And uh, it's it's kind of a cheap shot that the doors won't open for anything else. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's a very cool thing though because you open up these giant stone doors and go into this massive underground cave you finally get a cave a very very good ice cave that has a leviathan skeleton in it yeah it's cool it's a big ice ice caves are so good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we talked about the leviathan skeletons a little bit and i think i alluded to this idea that 
each one of them is a different flying whale from right. the previous game. Right, right, right. The one in um, Elden has got to be Levius. Yeah, it's got the flat head. Yeah. But, and so one of the others is Oceus and one of the others is the Windfish. And I don't know which is which. I I guess I would need to stare at a bunch of pictures of all these creatures and does oceus have wings no okay i believe that the the skeleton in the desert has tiny wings okay so that's windfish then this guy's oceus that's oceus's dead skeleton yep you liked phantom hourglass so much well here's what happened yeah to your best friend yeah second best sorry linebeck i know what if linebeck's in the deck anyways (laughs) Linebeck should have made it into Breath of the Wild. Linebeck should just make it into more Zelda games. Linebeck's just a good character. I mean, if Beetle can be in Breath of the Wild, yeah. Linebeck is not a stretch at all. They let Beetle, they, they, they just kept Beetle around. They're like, you know, this this guy's good. He's just a good shop guy. You know what? Beetle is in Cadence of Hyrule. Oh, good. He barely gets to do anything at all. Yeah, um, but he's there. Yeah, yeah. but he's, like, getting, he's getting that paycheck. The thing is, Cadence of Hyrule, the whole vibe there totally would allow for linebeck oh but he's nine cadence of hyrule has really good pulls from other zelda stuff too if i'm remembering right like they pull from all over the place which is yeah and not in like a super winky way you know i feel like a lot of indie people getting a chance to do a zelda game and being able to do whatever the heck they want, like apparently the Cadence of Hyrule people did. Um, they would do a lot of pulls from everything, but they would be really, really like self-aware about it. And obviously having, I guess I'm complaining about something that doesn't exist, which I yeah. do. Um, <laughs> I love Cadence of Hyrule. I wish I was good at it. Someday maybe I'll figure out how to play that game because the game seems super cool and I'm just terrible at it. I don't. And I'm not usually bad at rhythm games is the thing. What you've got to do. Here's how I play Cadence of Hyrule. Okay. You have to be. You can't be playing it um, in uh, attached mode. You have to have a Joy-Con in each hand and you have to be standing up and you have to stomp in time with the beat. Like, does that does that genuinely make like the flow better? It might. Um, mm. It makes it a lot more fun. Okay. And you don't have to stomp in time with the beat, but like it's not. I don't have like the dance. <laughs> I don't think it's compatible with the dance pad. But um, you kind of dance. You don't. They just... don't make dance pads for modern consoles anymore. Uh, no, they don't. But you could hack the Joy-Con into a dance pad. Oh yeah, definitely. With an Arduino. I believe it. Uh, oh, and then so there's also a shrine underneath the. Oh, there's skeleton. also a shrine in the this ice cave. To Cuomo Shrine, which is a freebie. Which I agree that you should get a uh, orb for free after doing that stupid snowball puzzle. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, that's kind of the left side of the mountain. Sort of. There's nothing else to do on the left side of the mountain. I mean, there's like plenty to see. There's a lot of monsters. There's a lot of snow. Uh, uh, there's a, we... a single guardian, which is very funny. Oh, I don't remember the guardian. There's a guardian out on a snowfield who is very lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm remembering a bunch of other stuff, but now I'm remembering that that's on the east side. I'm excited for you to do the east side. Yeah, there's an entire other side of this mountain that I got to go look at stuff because I don't think I've looked at like any of the stuff on the side. You haven't even gotten to that uh, stable, have you? There's a whole stable I haven't seen yet. There's a stable. There's a Lionel. Oh, maybe I won't go over there. No, you're going to go over there. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks, Zach, for telling us about your experience in Breath of the Wild. And thank you again to our sponsor, Books. If you haven't, really, uh, they're all over the place. Go out, find a book, crack open that spine or whatever, and read. (laughs) 